Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. We'll continue tonight with our discussion of Srila Jiva Goswami's Paramatma Sandarbha. We're in the section of the Sandarbha, and now we've gone beyond the 21 intrinsic qualities, and Jiva Goswami in this central portion of the Paramatma Sandarbha is going to complete his discussion of the nature of the oneness and distinction uh, between the jiva and the paramatma. So we'll begin by reading the 38th Anucheda. The individuated jiva is a part of paramatma. As to the individual self, being part of paramatma, Bhagavan Krishna says, O highly intelligent, Uddhava, Bondage through beginningless ignorance and its alternative through knowledge exist only for this jiva, who is indeed a unitary, integrated part of me. Jiva proceeds to give his explanation of this verse. The verse is from the 11th canto of the Bhagavatam. The, the alternative, itara, to bondage means liberation. On the one hand, there is the individuated self, Vyasti, who is like an atomic ray of light, Rashmi, Paramanu, implying that, on the other hand, there must be a collective or cosmic being, Samasti, who is identified with all individuals, Sarva Bhimani. And it's a short commentary, so I'm just going to read the commentary because it's explained pretty comprehensively there. It's a simple, simple Anucheda in that Jiva Goswami is simply pointing out that the nature of, of the Jiva and the conception of the Jiva as we left off in the last discussion as the Samasti uh, Jiva and the Vyasti. So he's, he's, he's now bringing out that distinction that we can look at the collective of all jivas within a universe and we could also look at the, as the, at the jiva individually. Both are uh, manifestations of the uh, a potency of Paramatma. So there's a commentary. The compound Rasmi Paramanu, a ray particle used here to describe the jiva, was discussed in the previous section. The word Vyasti means individual, whereas Samasti means aggregate. A jiva who encompasses all the jivas of a particular universe within his body and is thus equipped with a self-concept, an ego, he's thinking of himself in this in a particular way, corresponding to the aggregate of all beings is called Samasti Jiva. The Kastuba gem that Bhagavan wears on his chest is also a Samasti Jiva because it is the embodiment of the Tatasti Shakti the aggregate of all Tatasti Sakti, whereas 
within a particular universe, we could look at the aggregate of all the jivas, as we discussed in the last Anucheda. At the end of the previous Anucheda, Sri Jiva demonstrated that the aggregate self, Samasti Jiva, belongs to Paramatma as his part. To complement that discussion, Jiva now shows that the individuated self, Vyasti Jiva, too, is a par, par, part of Paramatma. Thus, the discussion here is a continuation of the subject of the previous Anucheda, namely, Paramatmaika Sasattva Swabhava. In the next Anucheda, Sri Jiva shows that the Jiva is part of the Paramatma because of being his energy. So that last Anucheda, Anucheda 37, uh, looked at the at the aggregate of all the jivas within a particular universe as the Haranya Garba. So, in the commentary here, we're getting an, uh, another way that there's actually a jiva, the way it's being put forth here, that has the concept. He has that that sense of himself as being uh, the aggregate of all the jivas. So, and we've also heard from the Bhagavatam that in the, in the, in the idea of Brahma, creating a universe, he's also creating facility for all the jivas of a particular universe. He's, he sees himself in that capacity. That's his responsibility. So to try to, to wrap your mind around that idea that within a universe you have personalities that that envision their existence like this what 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 would we say the the Hiranyagarbha Hiranyagarbha all the jivas together in one one entity so I was thinking about this a, a little bit it's I don't believe that our conception should be that this idea is is really foreign to us just like a mother a mother has when she's pregnant within her womb another living entity so just to conceive of the fact that there is a manifestation like we know that there's an idea now whether we do we take it as a literal as a literal presentation of fact from scripture or we do we take it figuratively now if we look at the varat rupa krishna displayed the universal form his varat rupa to to arjuna on the battlefield of, of kurukshetra and it was it was an amazing form that truly bewildered arjuna for the lord to display 
all of his material potencies to Arjuna and all of his different manifestations within a universe to Arjuna on the battlefield. You, what prompted it? Well, you're, I, I accept you as God. Arjuna is certainly accepting Krishna as God, but others may not. So can you prove it? Could you, could you provide some evidence, some, some display of your potencies where there would be no shadow of a doubt to the, to the fact that you are the Supreme Lord? Could you do something no one else could do? And Krishna said, Krishna showed him, yes, I can. Here, look at this. Try to take this in. This is a fragment of my energies. Look at it. Within this one universe, see all of my potencies, both material and spiritual. See all of my different manifestations as avatars into the universe as I come into a universe. And, and try to comprehend that everything within this sphere which is one universal shell, imagine all that at one time in one place being completely manifested to you. And Arjuna says, can you turn it off? <laughs> uh, can I see you again in your, uh, uh, you know, in the form that I can relate to because I can't relate to this at all. So what was his form? Everywhere, his arms, his legs, everywhere he has teeth. He's, he's showing the, dis, the creation and the destruction of the universe simultaneously to Arjuna. I mean, could we even imagine it? I mean, I don't think you could take enough drugs, hallucinatory drugs, all combined and get anywhere near what Arjuna experienced when he requested. Could you show me your God, so others will put some, you know, give some stock to, to what you're saying here. You're putting yourself forward as God. You're giving me all these instructions. Some people just won't, won't be able to accept it unless we put it, we need to put on a show. Show me your God. Do something. So, now is that, Is that a literal demonstration? Well, we'd say for Arjuna, it's a literal manifestation of what are all the energies of God? What are, you know, he saw everything, everything there. And Mother Yusoda also saw everything in Krishna's mouth. The complete manifestation of that. Yes, my son. My son is, you know, no. Close your mouth here. Have some milk. <laughs> so, um, these ideas that Jiva Goswami's bringing out of the Bhagavatam for us are more of an more to give us a a sense of the magnitude of what's involved in the Lord's various energies in just one universe. And to, con 
to conceive of the fact that there is is that totality of of what is the tatasta shakti of paramatma within a universe to conceive of that when we conceive of all the jivas together in a universe we call that conception Haranyagarbha. And from the commentary here, a jiva who encompasses all the jivas of a particular universe within his body and is thus equipped with a self-concept, an ego corresponding to the aggregate of all beings is called samasti jiva. How can we explain it? I don't know if we can. You know, how can we comprehend that that kind of a manifest, having that kind of a, a self-concept of, of having all the jivas within one jiva? And, yes? So this is very, sounds like very similar to the fact when all the jivas enter Lord Vishnu's body on the, where the, the solution of the universe is. Isn't it? I mean, like, where is the, the, the solution of the universe? All the jivas enter back into the body of Lord, Lord Vishnu. Something like that, but I think here we're talking about, yes, the jivashakti. The Tashti Shakti, yes, all the jivas collectively going back. So similarly, there is also a collective manifestation of jivas that can be conceived of. So there's both the Vasti and the Samasti. And I think that's that's truly what's being conveyed here. And, and it's only like a, one jiva like this for the universe? Well, it says here in the commentary, imagine a jiva encompassing all jivas, all jivas. So we, we also know that when Lord Vishnu lies within a particular universe as Garbo Dakshai Vishnu, he lies on the on the on the waters within one universe, and from his his navel comes a lotus, and upon that lotus, atop of it, is Lord Brahma. And the potentiality for the creation of that particular universe is contained within the stem of that lotus. And then Brahma meditates. Krishna reveals himself to Brahma. Brahma understands through that revelation in seeing the Supreme Lord in Samadhi. He sees the Lord and and he recognizes through that revelation of just seeing the Lord, all the pieces come together. This is the way I do the service of manifesting a universe. First, he's bewildered. What do I do here? Imagine being born in, 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 a, in a situation where it's completely, complete, I don't know if it was complete darkness, maybe except for the, for the, for the, from the body of the Lord, there was some illumination, but it's kind of portrayed as he, he, he was in a, in a, in a situation where am I? What am I doing here? What's my purpose? 
and he can't figure it out himself. So he desires to figure it out and he hears this instruction, tapa, tapa, tapa. Uh, think deeply about it and it'll certainly be revealed to you. In other words, tapas, some austerity. You need to really think about it and and in due course, the Lord, the Lord recognized his sincerity because he was willing to hear those that simple those simple words. He realized his sincerity because he he did what he heard. He heard this instruction, uh, you know, tapas. And for him, what was the, what was the austerity for Brahma on the lotus? The austerity was we didn't. You know, he didn't stand on one leg. He didn't, you know, put himself in the sun surrounded by fire. He he contemplated, because what else was there to do? There wasn't any, wasn't anything there except himself. So he contemplated what really, what what's what's why am I here and what's my purpose? And in that, the Lord revealed Himself. So from the way that's explained, the whole potentiality for the material manifestation was in the stem of the lotus. And then once he understood, he saw the Lord, he understood his, what his duty was. He was given the, the seeds of the spiritual understanding and in those, that seed of spiritual understanding, his mantra, in receiving that, then through his, he was given the seed of the mantra, which showed his purpose, and he was, he would basically, the ideas that he had as far as the creation, what came to him, you know, was confirmed by the revelation. How that, that's, it's deep, well, it's so deep that you couldn't hold it in one head, what those ideas were. <laughs> he had four heads. And this is a little universe. That much was was there. And then the jivas are coming. So what what I believe from reading this is just for us to have a conception that this potency, the jiva potency, the tatasta shakti of the paramatma feature of the Supreme Lord or the manifestation of paramatma within the within within the universe. So we, we've already got an idea what, what Paramatma is about. Paramatma is the, you know, he manifests himself, first of all, as Karnadakshai Vishnu, to manifest the material universes that are within the pores of his body, or you can conceive them coming out of the pores or resting, whatever the conception you may have, it's all contained in one, manif one manifestation of the Supreme Lord. And then these universes, he enters into them again as Garbodakshai Vishnu. And then once Brahma has, has begun the manifestation of a universe, some of the first people that, he, that come from Brahma What's their what is their position? They're progenitor progenitors. 
they they somehow have the capacity to provide the material vehicles to supply to supply the facility for the individuated jivas so before the jivas are all together and that's the concept here but then these progenitors have the capacity to impregnate material nature in such a way that the karmic the individuated karmic background of every individual jiva is allowed to play itself out here you're a tree you're a plant you're an animal you're a human being and you're a demigod and you know all these bodies are manifested by these progenitors like a doksha uh, what it's a lot of lot of things are going on here you know and where's it start well what's the who's the first to come from from lord buddha the first manifestation i'm sorry uh brahma the four kumars the intelligence of how to do it all the particulars are not as important as the as the overall concept and i don't think you need to look at the concept as a literal a literal oh there's a there's a jiva that has all jivas inside it well there is at one point isn't there there's the stem of the lotus and there's an aggregate and there may be one jiva that's you know starts it all yes could you one more time read this about uh, Kastuba gem, like uh, that he is a collection mm-hmm. of all the... The Kastuba gem that Bhagavan wears on his chest is an is also a Samasti Jiva because it is the embodiment of the Tathasta Shakti. So Krishna, is Krishna, close to his heart, is keeping all of the Jivas. He's wearing all the jivas in that you know take it do we take it literally that they're all compacted no you take it that it it is a gem and krishna wears it and it appears as a gem on his chest and it never leaves his chest and that's how close he stays to all of us so both outside and inside krishna's both outside and inside we're we're on krishna's chest if you could conceive of that <laughs> along with all the other individuated tatasta shakti individual souls and we're also within a material universe which so could we measure all this energy of of the supreme lord and and catalog it and 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 put it within the confines of our mental con- constructs of what actually is happening no but the great sadhus they give us some indications of how the universe manifests and and how in the beginning there's one jiva a lord brahma and from that one lord brahma the whole show begins and then once the show is comes into motion then the lord enters again as paramatma and what's that other manifestation of paramatma 
Well, the masters of the modes of material nature, goodness, passion, and ignorance. So, Paramatma comes as Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Well, wait, is Paramatma Brahma and Shiva? I can understand he's Vishnu. No, but his full potency is given to Brahma as far as creation and management of the mode of passion. His full potency is given to Lord Shiva for wrapping up the universe and management of the mode of ignorance. So sometimes the Lord comes himself. Sometimes he empowers all of the Lord's devotional potency, not all of it, but a lot of the Lord's devotional potency within a universe is in Onarda Muni. That's, so we call, we sometimes we refer to Narda Muni as what? Bhagavan Narda Muni. He has all the potency. How do we refer to the spiritual master? Spiritual master, we look at him as non-different and different from the personality of Godhead. So, a lot's there in trying to understand, but don't try to measure too much or it won't, it, you won't be able to. The Lord's unlimited. I mean, Brahma just did a little trick and Krishna tricked him back and became all the calves and cowherd boys that Brahma thought he stole. Brahma went through this whole thing in a moment of his time. Imagine a moment of his time. A moment. 100 years. Now Krishna's only on the planet. Just to contemplate this. Play it out. Krishna's only on the planet 125 years. 125 moments of Brahma's once in a day. 125 moments. Are they seconds? Are they fractions of the seconds? We're not going to measure that way. Under, But imagine that whole duration of Krishna's appearance to Brahma is how much of his time. And even within that time frame, Brahma could try to have a conversation with Krishna after he realized the error of his ways. He tried to conduct a conversation. Well, how long was the conversation? Was it in Brahma's time or was it in Krishna's <laughs> earthly time? We don't measure like that. But we see that at the end of, of trying to placate Krishna, after he realized, I might have really messed up here, and now he's praying to Krishna, and Krishna's like, he's not paying him any attention. And Brahma says, at the end, I, other people may say that they have some idea of you. Believe you me, for me, I don't know anything of your potencies. If Brahma, the creator of the universe, is, is thinking like that in relationship to Krishna, what to speak of us in Kali Yuga, at the, at the disadvantages of the time, place, and circumstance of this point in time? How can we beget, but that doesn't mean that we're neglectful 
of the literary contributions of the Acharyas like Jiva Goswami, who's gone to so much trouble to give us some grounding in these concepts of what is God. And the more we learn about somebody, the more we can appreciate them, and that appreciation will hopefully turn in deep, into deep love in, the, in due course of time. So a lot's going on here, but then there is the simple, the simplicity of it also. And just remember, Swami said when I began, he said, "Tell this, tell everybody when we start that this is is a you know the Paramatma Sandarbha is is uh, you know very terse. There's a lot in there, but you know." Look ahead to the Krishna Sandarbha if it seems too much. Try to absorb what you can. I'm trying to say what I can, and I can't say much, but we'll just continue to read and go through it. So, the next Anucheda. So, uh, I'm sorry, can I interrupt you? Mm-hmm. So, uh, how, how there was defined uh, Hiranagarbha in this, in this text you, you mentioned? It was in the last Anucheda. So how how was it defined like uh, the samasti jiva? So this is samasti jiva. Yes. So the same like Kaustuba. Yes. Again, yeah. The concept of having, but again, the Hiranyagarbha is in relationship to a specific individual universe amongst the multitude of innumerable universes. And 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 Kaustuba gem uh, is this like summary of all those. That's the way I would conceive of it, yes, because it resides, you know, with Krishna all the time in his transcendental realm. So it would be all of the potency as opposed to a portion of the Tathasta Shakti that's put into a particular universe. And when we conceive of that portion of the Tathasta Shakti, that's what we call the Haranyakarma, Samasti Jiva within a universe. That's that's good that you brought because it kind of gives us more of a conception, a portion of the portion of the aggregate of all the Tatasta Shakti is the Haranyagarbha. And the aggregate, the Samasti, the, the Maha Samasti of the Tatasta Shakti would be Krishna's Kastubhaja. A way to look at it. Going on to the 39th Anucheda. The Shrutis confirm that Jiva is part of Paramatma. Again, we have a lot of what that specific knowledge. What is that knowledge? That, that logic? I'm sorry. It's pounding the post. It's like Jiva's just saying, let's look at this from every angle. Look at it from every Shastric place that we can see some significance and you know it'll sink in if it doesn't sink in I'm I'm going to keep pounding it and you know eventually something something will stick so this pounding of the post it's a specific kind of of logic and it seems it's very repetitive but that's the only way you truly ground a post you know so it's solid and firm 
So Jiva goes on. He says, The Shrutis explain that the Jivas are integrated parts of Paramatma because they are a potency belonging to him. Then there's a quote from the 10th canto, The Prayers of the Personified Vedas. The Vedas speak of the Purusha, or the conscious being dwelling in these bodies that are shaped by its own actions as a part of you and is made out of you, the repository of unlimited potencies. In reality, however, the conscious being is without external or internal covering. Without external covering? I don't have a body? I don't have a subtle body? No, you don't. If you look at what you really are, you're taking it on, you're saying this is me, but if you really saw what was the reality of what you are, you'd recognize I truly have nothing to do with this. What a, why am I why am I so why I've invested so much of myself in this material concept of my existence? It really has nothing to do with the reality of what I am. There's more to me than what I'm thinking is me. So Jiva goes on to explain this in his words. He says the adjectival phrase, without external or internal covering, the word external refers to the outwardly existing or non-essential effects, and the word internal to the inwardly existing or essential causes. That the Purusha is free from both of these coverings means that it is untouched either by cause or effect. Made apart simply means apart. Made apart simply means apart. The repository of unlimited potencies. Akila Shakti Dutta, meaning he who possesses all potencies, is a qualified describing you, Paramatma goes on, by making it clear that the jiva is a part only of that which is qualified by the jiva potency and not of the pure or absolute, not of Bhagavan directly, who is without the attribute of jiva potency, the shrutis are here explaining that the jiva is an integrated part of Paramatma specifically by virtue of being his energy. Now the jiva's intermediary status, tatastava, has been clearly depicted, as in verse 1087.38. Yet the jiva, due to the influence of maya, embraces ignorance, because, according to this statement, it cannot be counted as part of either the intrinsic or extrinsic potency. So in one, in one way, Jiva's looking at the verse of the, of the uh, personified Vedas as referring to the Purusha as the Jiva. And then he looks at it, well, let's look at it 
as relating to Paramatma himself. If we look at it as related to Paramatma himself, then we would look at the jiva as not being part of the Lord's internal shakti, his swarup shakti, his total spiritual energy, and not part of his external potency, but intermediary. So, Tatastatva has been clearly depicted. And that was in a prior Anucheta that we, he was referring to that aspect. Yet the jiva, due to the influence of Maya, embraces ignorance. It cannot be counted as part of either the intrinsic or extrinsic potency. And now if we remember, what was that explanation? Why can't it be part of the external energy? Because it's conscious. And the external energy is not conscious. It's just matter. Even the subtle aspects of the material energy, the Bahiranga Shakti of Paramatma, are not conscious, although, as we see, they sure appear to be. False ego, mind, intelligence, false ego. It sure seems like these are living things. I mean, and we kind of explain the mind. It's somebody's there tapping you on the shoulder. The devil's on one side and the angel's on the other, and you're like, that's the mind is going back and forth. You're caught in the middle, and your intelligence trying to figure, what should I do? Should I get up or should I stay in bed? <laughs> should I go right or should I go left? Should I rob the bank or should I work hard for a living? <laughs> so, um, but it's it it isn't. We're not part of the material energy, even the subtle things of mind, intelligence, and false ego, although they sure have a, quite an influence upon us. And we're not paramatma. And what that was explained in a prior anucheta. Why? Because we're influenced by both the subtle and the gross material elements, and we are the Supreme Lord, the Paramatma. He's not. It doesn't, he doesn't, he's not in any way covered by any illusion the way we are. So we're not part of his internal or his external potency. We're a different potency altogether. And we have different characteristics. And we've talked about those characteristics extensively here for quite a few weeks. These intrinsic characteristics of what we are as the Lord's Tatasta Shakti. So, the commentary reads... Sri Jiva refers to the prayers of the personified Vedas to further establish that the Jiva is a part of Paramatma. He also clarifies that the Jiva is not a part of Bhagavan directly, whom he refers to by the word Suda, the pure or absolute, but of Paramatma who is endowed with the Jiva Shakti. The word pure, Suda, here is to be understood as referring to the original primal source, otherwise taking it in its conventional or 
popular sense would imply that Paramatma is impure. It also signifies that Bhagavan, being directly involved only with his intrinsic potency, is utterly transcendental to Prakriti, whereas Paramatma, being imminent within the cosmos, has both Prakriti and the Jiva as his qualifiers. Upadis. He's not influenced, but still he's that manifestation of the Lord who deals with, he's that creating God, he's that maintaining God, he is that God in relationship to ourselves, we are part of him, and here again, these are subtle distinctions, but a way to properly conceive of the various manifestations of the Supreme Lord. Now, our highest manifestation, the ideal, the istadev of our worship, is, is free of even the, the limitations of any conception of godliness. That's pretty far removed from what we conceive of God. He's also removed in that capacity as the supreme embodiment of unlimited sweetness from that aspect of himself as Bhagavan within the transcendental realm as Lord Narayan, wherein all his majesty is, is portrayed. All of his majesty is, is played out. So, and here we're seeing a further removal in the form of, of the Paramatma feature of his very self. It is a manifest, I mean, you can't separate Paramatma from Bhagavan Sri Krishna, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam, all these manifestations, Yuga avatars, Lila avatars, Guna avatars, Purusha avatars, they're all manifestations of the potencies of that one supreme personality of Godhead, but in his manifestation as Paramatma, he has an involvement and he, do, he is that manifestation of the Lord who, who, is, who has as his potency our very selves, the jivas. We are the Tathasta Shakti. The Tathasta Shakti resides with the Paramatma manifestation of the Supreme Lord. So, and the material energy itself, the material, the Bahirangi Shakti is also a manifestation of Shakti from the Paramatma feature of the Supreme. So you would say, well, the Paramatma feature of the Supreme certainly seems to be limited, having, has, having the limited adjuncts, upadis, of 
the material energy and the jiva shakti. But that's not just because I have an energy doesn't mean that it's a limitation upon what I am. So, but Krishna doesn't, Krishna in his original form doesn't involve himself at all with those two shaktis. He, he delegates that to another manifestation of himself, Paramatma. Heady stuff. <laughs> but the con the concept is is there to and there's some significance in understanding that these different manifestations of the lord they have different different they manifest themselves as having different responsibilities i mean even if we look to the the intimate manifestation like Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. What's what's his what does he display? He doesn't display himself as Krishna. He displays himself as a devotee of Krishna. He came to taste the love of his topmost devotee. He came to to give evidence to the efficacy of devotional practice and its ideal and Krishna didn't come in that compact little boy form to do that he came differently and even Krishna in his different ages displays different characteristics in those ages in order to reciprocate with his devotees who have these different moods of love for him. One more paragraph and then we'll quit. Because there's a doubt. A doubt could be raised, Jiva says. Or actually the commentator here, Sachin Orion. In the Gita 15.7, Krishna says that the jiva is a part of him alone. The verse reads, Mama Eva Amsa. Mama, my Amsa. So, you, I've just said that the Paramatma is, you know, but Krishna says in the Gita, well, was that Paramatma on the battlefield or was that Krishna on the battlefield? So, uh, so let me explain what I meant by this and how we should conceive of it. Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan, God in his own original form and essence, the fountainhead of all avatars. Then, why does Jiva Goswami say that the Jiva is part of Paramatma and not of Krishna? In fact, however, there is no contradiction in these two statements. The Jiva is a part of Paramatma, and Paramatma is an expansion of Krishna. So, by the principle of... <laughs> Transitivity, the jiva is also a part of Krishna. The indeclinable only in Mama Eva is to stress that the jiva is not a part of Brahma, Rudra, or any other god. 
Alternatively, the word only, eva, may be taken to qualify the word amsa, part, in which case it would mean that in relation to Sri Krishna, the jiva is only a part, and thus neither equal to nor non-different from him. Are there any questions? Yes. I'm sorry, the, the last part was, uh, I was getting confu- a little confused there. This is along the same lines as that last bit you just read with the, the objection at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to understand, because you said, from what I understand, Bhagavan, we are not part of Bhagavan because he is only involved with his intrinsic qualities. He's only involved with his intrinsic energy, right? In in his original form, right. yes, yes. Okay, so then, but then he's only involved in his swarup shakti, so much so that even when he comes and manifests his pastimes personally within a universe, what's what comes with him? Everything. He his holy dom, his eternal associates. So, then, so he so when he comes into the universe. It could be a. You could say it's like he lives in his own spiritual bubble. <laughs> so then we, we then the the jiva, because all right. So then maybe pertain or maybe the the idea because early on the very first class or two we said that the term jiva only refers to the the soul while it's bound. That's also been put forth. Yes. Yeah. So then, because because ultimately we want to have a relationship of some sort. Mm-hmm. With this supreme Bhagavan, yes. he's only involved with his. So that's where I kind of, if he's completely removed from the jiva, I'm just trying to sort that. Or he's, yeah, if he's complete, only involved with his intrinsic. Jiva is that nomenclature we apply to the Atma when the Atma is involved in the Lord's external potency. And then otherwise, it's Atma, or it's not, because it's not. We went through the, you went through the thing where we're not. It's we're a, not it's intrinsic. A, we're not, it's a matter of nomenclature. Yeah. It's a matter of nomenclature. The, we could use a nomenclature uh-huh. that the jiva, when we look to the the liberate the the jivas that attain liberation, while they no longer have those characteristics that are that are, they don't have anything to put them in the category of what we generally refer to as a jiva, because generally when we talk of jiva, we talk of jiva in relationship to the material being bound up in the Lord's external energy. Now, if we can also look at the jiva when he's not bound, a a more appropriate nomenclature of the unbound jiva the jiva that's only within the Lord's sarup shakti, his internal potencies, that would be an atma. But they're the same thing, and as pointed out here by Jiva Goswami in these Anuchetas, there's never a time that, you know, we're going to be anything other than a manifestation of the tatasta shakti of the paramatma feature of the Supreme Lord. We're always going to be a manifestation of that shakti. Even when we're an yes, Atma. yes, but at that point, when you're within the material, within totally within the the transcendental realm, the three quarter energy of the Lord, uh, 
the paramatma function the way the paramatma functions with the jivas within the material world is no longer necessary so therefore those functions are dealt with directly by the istadev that you that you attain in the transcendental realm whether it be lakshmi narayan sita ram radha krishna in galok radha krishna in gokul whatever that relationship there's a lot going on there as to how we cultivate ideally you know we look at it and all we can do is is we have to take shelter now if we can take that shelter if the guru if the sadhus can 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 give us the hints to give us the the true ways to pursue the path of raganuga bhakti then that's that's a very high ideal and if we can keep that ideal as i will not accept anything less than an ideal no matter how long i must practice sadhana or bhava bhakti within the material realm i'm doesn't matter and if i never leave the material realm just to realize that i want that ideal it turn that's okay too i'm just a servant here but i want to serve like those people serve no one serves krishna like those those people that relate with krishna in braj bhakti i want that i don't know if i can ever get it but i'm a dwarf and i will continue to jump for the moon so that's that's what lord shaitanya golokar premadan hari nam sankirtan Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's what I want. Anything else? Thank you so much. Okay.